This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, January 25th, 2023. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for the Wednesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. Inflation impacting the housing market, but buyers are still pushing forward. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, today's edition of Earnings Season includes closely watched reports from Microsoft and Boeing. We welcome Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investments, Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. And Chuck, let's start with uh, the big one here that was after the bell yesterday with Microsoft. Uh, gloomy. I'll use the word gloomy to describe its earnings. Uh, yes, I mean their their fourth quarter weren't awful. Uh, I think what has hurt the stock has been uh, more of their their near term guidance uh, for for early t- uh, 2023, and that is. Uh, you know, kind of indicating somewhat of a slowdown in their Azure, uh, their cloud business, and some of the areas that had been really growth drivers, and and they continue to to feel the pain of the uh, the, the weakness in the PC market. You know, I think it is worth pointing out, however, that you know Microsoft had been rallying uh, pretty strongly into the earnings season, and in fact, the stock has has made a little bit of a comeback here as the day has progresses progresses. So uh, we'll have to see how it finishes up, but. Yeah, it wasn't a great report, and uh, I, I'm not sure people were expecting a great report, uh, and that's reflected in the stock right now. Well, and I think you know we can also sort of shift gears and, and sort of uh, something that perhaps I was expecting to see when it comes to labor and supply strains, and that's that's Boeing struggling as well. Yeah, they did have they didn't have a great quarter, uh, I think, relative to expectations. It looks like their guidance is reasonably in line with what people were expecting in terms of 2023. And, and in fact, the stock has fought its way back and is, is almost flat for the day. So, you know, th- theirs wasn't probably perceived as poorly because they're, they kind of kept their guidance intact. But, yeah, it wasn't a great fourth quarter for them. And, and they're still kind of working out uh, from the problems that they've had over the last couple of years. You know, uh, the good thing about Boeing is, you know, it, it runs basically kind of a monopoly. So, you know, their backlogs are growing pretty substantially. And, and I think that's something that will provide some support to the stock price. Another earnings report perhaps worth mentioning is one of the leading indicators, and that's that's railroads when it comes to, to transport. So tell us what we're seeing there. Yeah, the, the, the transport sector is down pretty significantly today, and I think that's on due to uh, some of the earnings that are coming out from the rails, you had uh, Union Pacific, which actually was a kind of a, a disappointing report with some disappointing guidance there, where 
um, I don't think they, you know, they, they kind of indicated that they're probably going to be growing less than the transportation sector in general. And I didn't think the market appreciated that. And it's reflected in the stock action today. Uh, the transports, again, though, keep in mind, had been rallying strongly uh, since the beginning of this year. And, and so when you get those types of strong price gains into earnings season, it kind of raises the bar higher for those companies to beat those expectations. And when they just come in with kind of blah earnings, you get a little bit of sell-offs like we're seeing in, in, the, in the rails today. So, um, you know, that's something to watch. You're going to have other railroad companies reporting here over the next couple of days, along with other transportation stocks. And, you know, as I've said many times here on your show, Rachel, the, the, the transportation stocks tend to be the canary in the coal mine. You need them to do well for the broad market to continue to do well. And so, you know, pay, pay attention to what those companies announce here over the next few weeks. Thanks so much. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services based in Hammond, Indiana, coming up an update on the home buying market. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Millennials. Those are persons roughly ages 25 to 45 and are in their prime home buying years. However, the factor of inflation is raining on their parade. We're joined by Rick Sharga, Executive Vice President of Market Intelligence at Adam in Irvine, California. And uh, Rick, I fall into this category. I'm a millennial. And believe it or not, I'm a home buyer. But I think I snuck in at just the right moment pre-pandemic because it is a vastly different market right now. It's a really rough market for millennials. And, and the most surprising thing that you just said is that millennials can be 45 years old. I thought they were all kids. Um, but it, it, it's a tough market for first-time homebuyers in general. The combination of home prices rising dramatically uh, post-pandemic, uh, interest rates doubling last year on mortgages, uh, and inflation uh, taking 8 to 10% out of somebody's net take-home pay just makes it really, really tough for those first-time buyers to get into the market. And again, even if, because there's also this trend, too, of millennials or, or sort of, you know, adult dependents that are still living with their parents, saving up money. But even that, I mean, I even if you've saved up for years, it still doesn't feel like it's worth investing in something when, when inflation's where it's at, interest rates are where they're at, and even home prices have yet to come down. Well, actually, of all the major markets in the country right now, Chicago is probably one of the few where home prices haven't skyrocketed uh, quite so much. So if you're looking for a metropolitan area where, where the values are still reasonably good, uh, Chicagoland is not a bad place to be, be located. Um, the other thing people need to take into account is that in the short term, uh, this is a very difficult time for, for those home buyers, but in the long run, for the overwhelming majority of people, uh, owning a home is a much better financial decision in the long run uh, than, than being a longtime renter. So people doing what they need to do now to increase their savings for down payments, to reduce other debts, uh, to, to, to search maybe a little bit uh, outside of where they were originally looking for a home or for a smaller home or an older home, something they can afford, uh, very often it's still a much better decision for them if they look at the long-term financial future. What advice do you have for, for the millennial home buyer? Because I also think that the second something comes on the market, I mean, it is being looked at, it's getting offers, and they're going very quickly. It, it's, a, it's a matter of diligence, and it's a numbers game. You're going to have to continue to look, uh, broaden, again, the geography where you're looking, 
uh, broaden the types of homes that you're looking at. Understand that your first home is very, very seldom the, the home you stay in forever. So look at it as a, a way to get started into home ownership. Uh, but also have your finances in place. Get pre-approved for a loan with a lender if you can, not just pre-qualified, but pre-approved so that when that home that you like and that you can afford comes to the market, uh, you're able to immediately move forward to wait for your financing uh, because that puts you at a competitive disadvantage with other buyers. Sound advice for first-time home buyers. That's Rick Sharga, Executive Vice President of Market Intelligence at Adam, based in Irvine, California. Up next, deciding if a credit freeze or a credit monitoring service would be a good move for you. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and in this segment, we're going to focus on credit scores and how to keep it in the best shape possible. Let's get some tips from Matt Schultz, Chief credit analyst at Lending Tree based in Austin, Texas. And Matt, when it comes to uh, impacting our credit report, there's a couple of things that we can do. I first want to discuss the difference between credit monitoring and a credit freeze. Yeah, credit monitoring is basically just a service that you sign up for that, that tells you when there's activity on your credit report, like if you open a new account or if you, or if there's a change in your score, that sort of thing. A credit freeze is what I call the nuclear option when it comes to protecting your credit. It locks your credit so nobody, not even you, can open accounts in your name. What would be the benefit of, of starting or in, impact, implementing a credit freeze? What scenario would that be ideal? Well, if you're not planning to apply for credit anytime soon, there's really not a lot of downside to getting a credit freeze. It really does kind of clamp down your credit um, to where bad guys can't get a hold of it. And that's, that's a really useful thing. And how tedious is it to then lift the freeze, to unfreeze the account? It, it can be. It's gotten easier over the years, and it is something that if you are going to apply for credit in the near future, you should give yourself a few days for that freeze to thaw. But um, it's, it's definitely something that you can do. And let's circle back now to, to credit monitoring and, and just the, the, the usefulness of this tool, because I think perhaps some people think, you know, I, I check my credit maybe once a year for free. But but beyond that, I think some people just leave it alone. So why, why would it be beneficial to sort of have the uh, credit monitoring services? Well, it never hurts to have another set of eyes um, on something as important as your credit. And yeah, there are most of these credit monitoring services don't do anything that you can't do yourself. But having that extra set of eyes, especially if it's not costing you anything, can be really useful. And we offer credit monitoring services at LendingTree with with some other tools that we have. So it, it can be a useful thing for sure. And I, I'm guessing that that some most of those services come with with a fee attached to it, correct? Um, a, a lot of them do. You can certainly find um, you can certainly find monitoring services like the one we have in LendingTree and some of our competitors, um, but that that are free. But yes, it really kind of depends on the extent of the monitoring that you're looking for. So 
shopping around for the best monitoring service that fits you and what you're looking for is is really a good idea. We appreciate the advice. Matt Schultz, chief credit analyst at Lending Tree in Austin, Texas, still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday. We'll talk about some money moves that will allow adult children to get back out on their own. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A fire in a high-rise apartment building on the south side leaves at least one resident dead, others injured. An arrest has been made following a suspected arson at a Peoria clinic earlier this month. In Personal Finance Wednesday, strategies to help adult children living at home get back out on their own. Plus, the continuing war in Ukraine is putting a spotlight on companies in the military and defense sector. WBBM Business. Business. The markets remain in the red. The Dow down 74 points, NASDAQ off 75, and the S&P 500 down 16 points. AccuWeather says that snowfall is going to stick around throughout this afternoon and evening. A winter weather advisory in effect through 9 o'clock tonight. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. We have breaking news from the scene of a high-rise fire we've been reporting on near 48th and Lake Park Avenue in Kenwood. That's on Chicago's south side. Less than 20 minutes ago, 4th Ward Older woman Sophia King confirmed to reporters on scene that one person has died in this fire. It's one person um, that uh, they found deceased in the apartment where they believe the fire originated. As I said earlier, there were six people who were evacuated uh, safely earlier, uh, five in really good condition. One uh, elderly woman who they're watching, her CO levels, uh, but she's still in good condition. There are still people in the building. They are safe. Uh, They are there being contained on purpose until they get the fire under control. Our audio courtesy of CBS2, Alder Woman King, says there's no word yet on what may have sparked the fire, which reportedly damaged part of nine floors of the building along Chicago's lakefront. WBBM's Terry Keshner is on scene. We'll go live to him coming up at 1.03. A man could appear in court later today for a suspected arson at a Planned Parenthood clinic in Peoria. It happened about 10 days ago. The Journal Star reports the person was taken into custody yesterday with charges now pending. The name of the suspect, though, hasn't been released. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets remain in the red. We're now joined by Ken Crawford, a portfolio manager at Argent Capital in Clayton, Missouri. And Ken, what do you make of what you see on Wall Street today? Well, Rachel, I think you've got a little bit of a pullback with uh, Microsoft and Texas Instruments earnings yesterday that were perhaps a little bit less than what uh, investors wanted. And then you remember, I mean, we're, what, three weeks into the uh, 23 a year, and we've had a reasonably good bounce from a pretty awful 22. So a little bit of a pullback in the market 
probably not a, a surprise here. Now, you mentioned the bounce. I'm curious, though, because I think there's been some talk that that's going to perhaps be short-lived and we may be heading into a recession. So where are you in that debate? Well, uh, probably like your sky today, uh, it, it's about as clear as mud to me. So you've got <laughs> uh, relatively uh, low unemployment, which I think has to have the Federal Reserve a little bit worried. And Inflation on the positive side, less um, at, a, at a lower level. So I think investors are kind of throwing the balls up in the air and saying, is the economy going to slow enough so that the Fed can can kind of tap the brakes? Or is the strength that we're seeing, especially in labor markets, going to keep the Fed uh, with higher interest rates for a longer period of time? Certainly seeing some volatility right now. What advice do you have for for your clients amid this uh, uncertainty? Well, like always, uh, what we tell our clients is investing is for the long term. So if they can find companies or assets that they want to own for the next five to 10 years, they should go ahead and buy. Um, obviously track the performance of those assets, but on the margin, probably not look to trade, you know, on a given day or a given month or, or et cetera. So long-term forward, forward-facing, I, I can respect that suggestion. Um, where does the energy sector go from here? It's just been a little bit uh, unpredictable <laughs> as far as what's next. Right. Well, just like the market as a whole. So I think investors are kind of chewing on a few things. What's going to happen in in Ukraine and therefore Russian oil? Uh, what's going to happen with the economy in general? A slowdown in, in the economy would imply less energy consumption. Uh, Western Europe had a warmer than uh, expected winter, at least so far. So less need for energy there. Um, so I think it's uh, again it's unclear. I think if we if investors think that we are going to have either a mild recession or avoid a recession altogether, I wouldn't be surprised if energy prices rise from here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also been a lot of discussion too about about growth versus value. What are your thoughts on on that? Well, uh, it ties into the unclear picture. Uh, we've had a little bit of a pop in growth stocks year to date, but obviously they, they took it on the chin last year. Um, I think that uh, if people are worried about earnings, uh, growth stocks will probably struggle relative to value stocks. And if investors think that the Fed is more on the pause button rather than the higher for longer button, then growth stocks could see their day in the sun. We also earlier on in the show were talking about uh, earnings season and uh, some disappointing news from, from Microsoft, Boeing, uh, but encouraging news, though, from railroads. Uh, so I'm curious just sort of what, what your takeaway has been from, from this earnings season. Well, I, well, it's firstly, it's early. Uh, next week, we're going to have Apple, we're going to have Amazon, we're going to have Google uh, and Meta, so some of the other big tech companies. So I think investors will get more information from that. When we talk to people in the real world, they say that their businesses in general are good. So that would kind of support uh, the rails doing well. And I think what we've seen in technology is a little bit of excess from the pandemic, where you had difficulties in companies finding 
workers, so jobs were scarce. Now, with a little bit of slowing, you're seeing the technology companies reassess their cost structure, which implies looking at headcount, and we're seeing layoff announcements. I would not be surprised if that continues. Uh, and then the question is, how deep and how long? That is the question. Thanks so much, Ken Crawford, a portfolio manager at Argent Capital in Clayton, Missouri. Up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, helping adult children leave the nest again. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday and inflation and the economy are pushing more adult children back to the homes of their parents and well, that's not always a great situation. So let's talk about ways to get them back on their feet with Mark Horner, a wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management based in Wheaton. And Mark, uh, this could be a tough conversation to have, but maybe an important one. Uh, it can be, Rachel, and this one's hitting awfully close to home. My wife and I have got four kids, two in their teens, two in their 20s, and we have a full house back at, back at home. So I can, I can speak from experience on, the, on this topic. Uh, so I think at first it's really important to remember, I don't think it's any kid's goal uh, to move back in with, with, mom, and, with mom and dad. Right. So important to, important to be patient with them and, and, and help guide them just just as, you, as you've done all along as a parent. But there are, you, there are a couple of uh, specific steps that you can take. So one would be to remind them when they've got a job, part of, that, part of that money needs to go towards savings. So to make sure that they're taking advantage of savings plans at work and then putting a little extra savings away outside of workplace plans, that it's not just uh, go get a job to spend all your money with your, with your friends. Right. The, uh, if, you've, if, you've started, if you've helped your kids try to build credit by being a signer on your credit card, it's maybe time to take that away and help them go through the process of evaluating different credit cards on their own so that they're taking care of their, taking care of their, own, uh, their own spending. And then yeah, I, I think you do need to just be careful what you wish for. I think we all parents uh, want a lifelong relationship with our with our kids, and so to, to make sure that you're easing them out of the nest with uh, with with love, that's going to cause them to come back later. Yeah, you don't want to do what Cisco Cotto joked about, and that was getting his 10- and 11-year-old out of the house. <laughs> that's too soon for that. Uh, no, but that's a little extreme. I agree. Extreme. But, but here's the thing, and I think you sort of hit the nail on the head here, is, yes, there are moments where, and there are points in time where it can be necessary for, for an adult child to move back in with mom and dad. I understand, especially with where the economy is right now, but there's a difference between doing what's necessary and doing what's comfortable, right? It's easy to feel like, oh, well, I have a job. Um, I, mom and dad aren't making me pay rent, so now I've got this seemingly disposable income, but that's really not uh, not the thought, the train of thought to have there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, making the kids pay rent, that's one way to go. I'm personally not a big fan of that. I don't, I don't think that's advancing uh, anybody's, uh, anybody's goals at all. I'd much rather see uh, maybe kids putting, a, putting aside money that might otherwise be going towards rent that they can accumulate over time to maybe accumulate enough to, to eventually move out into their own apartment. Or maybe they, maybe they save up enough to go out and buy their first house. But uh, but yeah, we're, you go through transition points throughout your throughout your life and post college and getting your first job going and moving into that moving out of mom and dad's house uh, for uh, uh, for on a permanent basis. That's just another one of those transitions that I think as parents we just need to gently guide 
uh, not coddle, gently guide our, our children through that process. Well, just as parents are there for you when you're, when you're falling down, it's parents who need to be there to help you get back up. And a little bit of tough love is okay. Is okay. <laughs> Making them pay for the groceries every once in a while. There's no problem with that. You heard it here from Mark Horner. Thanks so much for joining us. He's a wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, we'll take a look at defense company stocks in the context of the invasion of Ukraine. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. As the U.S. and Germany get ready to send dozens of tanks to help Ukraine fight off Russia, defense companies in America could be seeing increased demand of their products. We're joined by Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk here in Chicago. And Michael, uh, the U.S. Uh, President Biden announced he would be uh, sending, uh, let me find this here, the 31 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. Yeah, um, good afternoon, Rachel. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so just as we, it looked like things maybe were simmering a little bit over over there. Um, we have this big announcement: both the U.S. and Germany sending uh, armored armored vehicles, um, some of them tanks, over to Ukraine. Um, the U.S. is is going to send 31 of their best M1A1 Abram Abram tanks, and Germany is going to send 14 of their Leopard twos. So it, it's a pretty big move for for both countries, and certainly would help the defense industry. Thing is, is these stocks are already doing very well. And so you don't see it in the stock prices today. In fact, the the tank maker is General Dynamics and it's actually at earnings. So it's down on earnings 3%, but that's that's an earnings move. Uh, It would have probably been up a a couple percent on this news without the earnings. But, um, you know, these stocks are almost all trading near all-time highs, which you can't find another sector uh around that is that is doing that in this market so it's been a very strong industry it could get stronger if more if this war escalates further um you know i do want to say that we are long at mjp capital we're long raytheon so we do have one of the stocks in this space uh we we do like the space and we we think that it could could go up uh, another 10 to 20 percent this year given the tensions that are are, are continuing over there so um, it, it you don't see it in general dynamics today but it's only because their earnings came out and there was a little bit of a sell the news event but GD is within 10 percent of its all-time high every one of these stacks is within five to ten percent of the, their all-time high so it's definitely a sector to watch Certainly. Well, and not only with this latest announcement of, of the U.S. sending tanks to Ukraine, but the Department of Defense has, has sent out a, a number of high-value contracts at the end of last year, sort of boosting uh, the, the defense space. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the last few years between COVID, which helped big pharma, and then we have the the war in Ukraine, which has helped defense. Two of our biggest industries in the United States uh, have had some some help from uh, from you know what you call maybe macro events um, that are happening around the globe. So uh, they're definitely two industries that have have been have done uh, have outperformed the the overall market, and uh, we'll see going forward. I, I like defense. I like Raytheon in particular, but. Um, certainly, it's 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 an industry that I think is safer than some of the some of the other ones that could be affected by a you know a coming recession. Whereas this is this sector is certainly recession proof. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, based here in Chicago. And if you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com and on the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 